be bigger than the Jews, bigger than the Irish. You could run the whole fucking country. You could be the next John D. Rockefeller. Nobody noticed us. Nobody gave a shit. But the bigger we get, the more we're taking from other people. Yo, in a mahogany, black scenery, that was lightning and raindrops. Oh, 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 done. Friday episode in a while. It's sunny. I'm looking around. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm almost in a simulation. It's so nice around here. And I got Mike Padone, owner, creator, CEO of Sales Buzz in Tampa Bay. In Champa Bay, another championship. Tampa Bay. How are we doing, Mike? It's doing great. It's good to be in Tampa. It, it makes me a little jealous. A little jealous. Minnesota's doing its best Tampa impression today. Yeah. Uh, and before we begin. We're talking about this nice summer weather. Don't you want some nice clothes that'll make you look good in the summer? Don't you want to, you know, hug it where it wants to hug the muscles and whatnot? Ghost fits. 15% off. I've said it before. Go to the website. You get 15% off. It's foolproof. Whole site. Um, guys, you'll look good. And, you know, it's, it's proven. Girls think you're more attractive when you got nice clothes on. And ladies, we got a girl's line coming out. In the fall, rumor has it, and guys are even more visual than girls. So both guys, both you guys and gals should hit the site. Fifteen percent off with code bold. Now, how do you spell it? How do you spell it? Uh, B O L D is the code, and then ghost like a boo, a ghost fit F I T. Love it. We might have to get sales buzz, uh, you know, throwing around the ghost fit sponsor. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but no, Mike, I uh, I just want to jump into it man um this is a hell of a story um and i, I just want to go through the psychology behind it your steps behind it what led you to do this uh just kind of give the audience a little introduction as to who you are and what you've created so i consider myself like you you introduced me as a ceo I guess technically that's true i'm a solopreneur Right. I mean, that's really where, where I'm at. So, um, you know, I'd rather instead of having like full time employees and things of that nature in these days, I really just outsource that stuff. So yeah, when you say CEO, eh, I, I invented sales buzz, that's for sure. But it's not my first company. So I'm not sure if you're aware of that. So we should definitely go over that. But um, yeah, I mean, I share I, I have an online course. Uh, it's an automated sales training program. It really shows salespeople takes the fear of selling by phone. It gives them step-by-step process on, on how to be more successful, exactly what to say, when to say it, why to say it, how to say it, and uh, what to do with the answers you get back. And it just helps people make more money. Boom. No, it really does. And I can attest to it. I, uh, I leave my company's name out of it. It's, it's a pretty big company. So Mike sold it to us, them. And it, that's not a uh, nickel and dime deal. I mean, Mike is, uh, you know, he could be buying the Stanley Cup from Patty Maroon right now in the Tampa Parade. That's it's not a small deal. Um, but what did you do before you just went for it and took the leap? Because I know you were grinding, you were hustling in a straight commission job. Yeah. So so well, we need to go back. If we're gonna go back to that, first of all, I'm still a straight commission, right? I'm a solopreneur. True, for, you know, true. And 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 I I eat my own dog food, right? So it's uh you know I practice what I preach. And, and that's how I've been doing it for the past, what, 12, 13 years. But prior to, the, it, we should go all the way back. So in the beginning, like, when you, I, first of all, I never graduated. I, first of all, I, let me say it this way. I never went to college. I barely graduated high school. And uh, it was just, 
you know, school really wasn't for me. I wanted to be a rock star growing up. I was really into the heavy metal scene and I was a guitar player and I was doing pretty well at that for a while. Matter of fact, before I met my wife, like a week beforehand, I was waiting to get a response back from Ozzy to see if they were going to, you know, take me to the next step. So that's where I was at at that point. But in the meantime, I had to pay the bills. And so, uh, you know, I got into sales. It, my first job in sales, my first technical job, you, we were talking about before we got online, we were, you're always selling something from the time you're born, right? But my first job of, of actual sales, I got into car sales. And, you know, I was kind of, I sucked ass at it. I really did. I was really bad at it. Um, and from there, after I got fired from not doing well, I went to this music store, you know, music equipment, things of that nature. I started selling there, but then I, all of a sudden everything clicked, like everything they were trying to teach me and the car sales thing just, just clicked there. And so then I was, I was doing really well at that. And then, uh, Long story short, but the band that I had at the time, it was in Youngstown, Ohio, broke up. I wrecked. I had this IROC. I rolled it four times, right? So I'm out of work. The car's gone. Girlfriend broke up. Band's busted. And I'm like, man, oh, man, what do I do now? And uh, I ended up having a uh, – uh, I never knew my biological father, and he just happened to call me at that time, like, out of the blue. And he was in Florida, and I'm like, well, I got nothing going on here in Ohio. I'll, I'll come down and meet him. I was in my early 20s. And um, came down here and met him. Didn't really work out, but um, I loved being in Florida. So I stayed in Florida. And, uh, you know, but I was, the situation where I was staying with him, it didn't work out. I was like, I was practically homeless. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving this house. I got nowhere to go. Um, no money to get back to, to you know, home. Uh, no car. You know, there weren't cell phones really at the time. You know what I mean? No internet, no emails, no texting, right? So you're really going back. Um and I was fortunate enough to have my, my grandmother, who I didn't know either, um, you know, take me in for a little bit, but I had to get a job. And I literally, and it's funny, I still have them today, these, these yellow pads, right? And I, so I found a place to sleep and I was like, I made a list of all the things I needed to accomplish. Like I need to get my shit together. I need to get my life together. And so I made this list of like 10 things. And uh, one of them was the next day was making sure I got myself to the mall to, to find a job. And so this is a really important reason why I'm telling you all this. So I get to the, first of all, it, if I had a car, it would have taken me 15 minutes, but since I didn't, I had to take a bus and it took me like two and a half hours in the Florida heat from transfer and transfer to get to this thing. Anyway, so I get to the mall and I'm going, I need to get a job today. So I went to the directory and I looked at all the places and I said, I'm going to hit every store in this mall. And I'm going to start with the one that I wanted at first. And at the time, this is in Lakeland, Florida, by the way. Uh, you're going to laugh. Uh, do, you, do you remember Glamour Shots? I do. I, have you seen Napoleon Dynamite? Yes, of course. Are we talking about Uncle Rico Glamour Shots? Glamour Shots, Glamour Shots. Yeah, man. So it's, uh, so I mean, one, I remember it was in the last time I was in the mall and I walked by that store. First of all, the music was popping. There was tons of half naked women in there all the time, right? Because they're, they're taking their tops off to change and all these outfits or whatever. And so anyway, so I made this whole list and Glamour Shots was the first first one on my list. I'm just, let me just go there. So I walk in, I see the receptionist. There's some real long haired, you know, hippie dude sitting there at the computer. Doesn't even look up at me, right? And I, I'm, I'm dressed well, you know, I got my hair all good. I, I cut it off at that point or whatever. And uh, so I get in there and uh, and I go in there and I'm like, hey, I want to speak to somebody about getting a job here. And she's like, let me get you an application. And without looking up, the other guy's sitting there, he's just sitting there saying, he goes, what do you do? And I go, I sell. 
and he stopped right in his tracks and he goes, I'm, I'm the store manager here. I'm going to the bank. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. I want to talk to you. And really? so, and so, so he comes back and we have this conversation ends up being that he was from Youngstown, Ohio, where I had my band too, but he was there years earlier. So we had like that connection or whatever. He was a musician as well. Uh, but he goes, I, I want you to start right away. Um, you know, and it's because, listen, I get people coming for jobs all the time and I ask, what do you do? And they say, I'll do anything you want, right? I'll want the floors, I'll sweep or whatever. I'll take out the garbage. He goes, you said you sell. That's what I'm looking for. Dude, I went in there and I crushed it. I worked eight days straight because one of the things on my list was I wanted to get a job, but then save enough money to get my own car and then find another place to live. Like I literally had this whole thing. I, I am going to say this, the very first thing on my list is I said, I had to pray, pray the rosary every day. And cause like, dude, I, I was like, I was at rock bottom. It didn't get any lower. And so I was like, I, I need some extra help here. So that was like, number one, I got to pray, pray the rosary every day Two, I got to do this, get a job three, save enough for a car Four, get my own place. And so I had this whole list there and um, I worked eight days straight and I crushed like, like I was selling and they had those big heirlooms that were, that were like three by three, three feet by three feet. Right. Like nobody buys them. Right. I was selling the shit out of them. And all the other salespeople that were there were like, who the fuck is this guy, man? Cause I come in out of nowhere. I don't know all the products or whatever, but I mean, I'm just like, I'm pumping them up. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm asking, you know, who else could get a picture, man, this would look really good. Wouldn't you like to see this on the wall? Right. So I'm painting those pictures and people are like, they're like borrowing money to pay for the packages. Like they're, they're like of their last pennies. They're just, they're just really going out and, and buying all these big packages. And I was killing it within eight days. You know, I got my first paycheck. I was killing it so much. I had two grand. I went and put a down payment on a car. I met somebody there at, at Glamour Shots who was a cool dude. He had his own place. We moved in. You know, I, I moved in with him, paid him rent. And uh, it was a party scene ever since, man. And I was just selling, selling and, and whatnot. And, uh, that's in Florida. That's really, really where I got my roots. Now I met my wife there and my, she'll eventually became my wife. Right. Uh, uh, so she was working there. She came over as a manager. We did not get along at all. Like, Your wife and you at first. Yeah, at, at all. Like, cause I, I was like, I'm King shit, dude. Like I'll come in when I want, I'll leave when I want, I'll take the breaks when I want. You want to know why? Because I have the number one sales records every day in all of Florida for all the glamour shots, probably actually in the, in the United States, I was just killing it. And she came in as a, as a manager. She was a manager in training. She's like, yeah, listen, I need you to make sure you're here on time tomorrow. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? Get the fuck out of here. So I would actually go to my boss, you know, everyone's like, dude, what is up with this? She's like, yeah, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Didn't, dude, she was really trying to reel me in. Anyway, so that was uh, one, one day we we're just like, I'm like, let's just break the ice, man. I'm like, you know, let, let's just go out. Yeah, hey, you want to go out? Right. And so we ended up going out and, you know, outside of work. Actually, the real story is I have to say it that way, but since we're in an unfiltered podcast here, the real story was this my roommate ended up having a girlfriend, you know, finding a girlfriend or getting close to somebody and they were going out. So I was left all my own on a Friday night. And I'm like, you know, I think this, this, uh, I think, um, how are they called? They were called you rock. I, I think you rocks playing in Ybor city tonight. And, uh, she looked up at me. She like, I'm literally talking to myself. Right. But she happened to be right there. She goes, what are you asking me on a date? And I was like, ah, fuck it. Like, yeah. If yeah, you want sure. to go. Yeah. Whatever. So that's a, now she says, I was talking to myself. Yeah, right. That was my way of asking her. We argue about that all the time, but that's really how it happened. Anyway, we go out 
and we just get to know each other. And dude, we were there all, we were there till the sun came up in Ybor city. Like when, when the, when the bands were done and we left, we were outside talking, we we're out there talking so long. A cop came by and says, Hey guys, if you get, get in your car, it's not safe to be out here like that. All right. So we're in our car, locked the doors. We're, we're sitting there talking, just getting to know each other. Next thing I know the sun's coming up. I look, I'm like, fuck, I gotta be to work in two hours. And so does she, right? And so well, she's like, yeah, I have to come in in a later shift. So she actually went home to sleep. I went home to shower and I went right to work. Dude, I was young then, right? Yep. You know, you, yeah. That's when you could party all night, get hammered, wake up, hit the gym 6 a.m. and get to work and do it all over again. Right. Those are the days. But anyway, so yeah, I go to work again and then I'm like, man, I don't know about this girl. You know, I mean, we had a good time, but I don't know. She's working. She's back in work mode, you know, and I'm like, I don't know. But I told her we'd go out again. So I came back after her shift and I swear the second she you know, the big uh, metal gates you have to put in the mall to lock it up. The second she did that and she stood up, it's like her face changed. And I'm like, okay, cool. We went and talked and, and, uh, and dude, we've been together ever since then. It, it was, it was just great. Now with that being said, so we were dating and all this other stuff, the glamour shots thing was running its course. It's a horrible business model because nobody's going to keep going back for residuals. So once you photograph everybody in a city, it's going to, it's going to die down. Right. So they were, we were at the top of it and it started to uh, uh, crash down. We move in together. Um, she leaves glamour shots to do something else. I leave glamour shots to do something else. So I'm looking for a job and we're getting really serious in our relationship now. And I see this ad in the paper. That's what it was back then. You get a newspaper, look for a job and it said 80 K a year, no college experience necessary. And back dude, back then 80 K in early nineties, that's a lot of, that's a lot of fucking money. 300 K. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I go there and I go to interview. It's a shithole in Dunedin, Florida. Dunedin, Florida is beautiful, by the way. But there's a little shithole in, 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 in uh, Dunedin, Florida. It's a little thing. And I walk in and like people are it's, it's a phone room. It's like like right out of, you know, any of the uh, movies that you've ever seen, you know, about these things. And it's just like I walk in and people are smoking and, 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 and right while they're pitching at the same time, the whole nine yards. I'm like, what the hell is this? But they said 80K, so let me just go in. They do a little orientation or whatever. They show us some demos and uh, they go, if you do this, make this million dollars, you're going to make this and you're going to get paid this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in, right? Like, like there was like a group of 20 of us, like everybody else leaves. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in, let's do this, right? So I go home and um, I tell her, hey, I got a job. She's like, that's great. You know, um, what, what, what are you making? That's the first question she's asking. And I say, I can make 80 grand, grand a year. She's like, okay, well, how much is the salary? I was like, I was going to sell you straight commission. And that's when her, her like draw hit the, like you see her like paralyzed and afraid and like, holy shit, really? I'm like, yeah, I got this. Don't worry about it. So I get in there. Of course it was a big lie. You're never going to make that much money there. Right. You know, again, I'm young. I don't know this stuff. Right. I'm learning it as I'm you know things aren't right. I'm looking around and like people are smoking. Then they're actually, they took us out to lunch. Uh, this Irish place down in Dunedin once they all took us here to lunch and even the owners are getting hammered during lunch. Half the people are drunk. I'm not, I'm, I'm like, yeah, something's not right here. Right. As much as I wanted it, like, I like, I know when there's a time to work and there's a time to party and right now it ain't time to party. And we go back to the office and people are like, Oh yeah. And they're getting on the phone. They're drunk. I'm like this, I can't work here. This is, this is ridiculous. So they had a, com- they had a uh, competitor uh, that sold some, it was computer diagnostics is what I was selling, right? We would call uh, computer shops and get them to buy the, the, this computer diagnostics at the time. There was another competitor that was supposed to be like a professional outfit, hundred salespeople in there. Uh, you had to wear a suit, you know, the, the, the tie and the jacket, you know, all that stuff there to, to work and everything. 
And so I go there once again, I get hired right away and I just start killing it. And, and, and it was just right out of the gate, but they had really good training there. And what I noticed is that they would interview 20 people a week. They would hire whoever out of that 20 wanted, but then it was still straight commission. Right. But a lot of people with the turnover was huge. And so you had a room of a hundred sales reps all pitching, you know, like the traditional cold call, like you see in, in all those movies. And, uh, and, and so I'm sitting there going, everybody that like wants to, that, that, that is leaving or whatever, they're bitching, they're moaning, they're, they're saying these leads suck, you, you know, the product is shit, whatever. And I look on the, on the board, on the, um, the awards board and like month after month, after month, after month, I keep seeing these same five names on there in the top five that they rotate, but they're always the same people in there. And so I started paying attention to what they did. I started asking, Hey, can you role play with me in the morning? All right. I would get there early. I was role playing. I was buying, um, I'm going to date myself here, cassette tapes uh, of motivational speaking and sales training and things of that nature. So I would listen to it on the way to work just to pump myself, learn every little piece that I could. And in my first year, I was rookie of the year. And then in my second year, I was number four in the company. Uh, out of like a hundred sales reps, like I just kept climbing, climbing. And then, so that got to a point where I'm, you know, I'm still straight commission. My income doubled each year I was there. Like it just kept going up, but got into some stuff where the management started to get a little, how do I want to say it? So I found out they were Scientologists. Right. So I don't want to say anything bad about that stuff, but I started noticing things that they were getting a little too into my personal life and things of that nature and started to interfere with stuff. And, and I didn't even know what a Scientologist was. Right. And then, so I go home to my, my wife and I'm like, yeah, that, you know, my numbers were down. So they took me in this room. They said, they, they, you know, they said they had to debug me or whatever. And my wife stood up right away. Like, you know, come on, she's smarter than I am. So she's like knew right away that that was like a Scientology thing. And then she started educating me on that. And so then I went back to work and I started like, like just really analyze, just, I was more aware of some things that were going on. Now, with that being said, there's plenty of Scientologists that are great people. Okay. With, but it was getting to a point where some of the things that that particular management was doing with me was just uncomfortable. And I was thinking of quitting and just going to go somewhere else. And the manager was like, where are you going to go? You don't have a college education. Nobody's going to hire you. And so they would like manipulate in that fear and all this other stuff. And, and at the, at the time we just put money down we're, you know, we're married and now we have a kid, right. We're a couple of years in this and we just put money down our first new home. Like we just put the $5,000 deposit. We got approved. Like they're building the house. Right. And I'm just like, and now I'm like, I hate my job. Like I fucking hate working here. I don't, I don't trust the management, the particular couple of management people that were there. Um, they had some new products that were iffy, right? So now I'm not sure if what I'm selling is really what they've been telling us. Cause you start getting some RMAs, return merchandise authorization, right? So, and I, and then they're like blame, blaming me, like maybe you oversold it. I'm like, motherfucker, you're, I'm telling, I'm telling them what you're telling me to say, right? So like yeah, things were getting really bad and I got this fear and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And they keep saying I won't get a, a, a job anywhere else making money because I don't have a college education and, and things of that nature. And so it got to a point where I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm out of here. And I just got up and I'm out. And I, I remember like it was yesterday, the first 15 minutes, I was on cloud nine. Like the biggest weight was off me. And then another 15 minutes, like, like right after that, 
severe, severe panic attacks. And it's like, I got to call my wife and tell her that I just quit. And we put this money down. We got a two-year-old, right? And um, and it's going back and forth where, uh, you know, I'm happy, but I'm also having these, then I, then I have these severe panic attacks. And then, so what do I do? I do something I always did when I wasn't sure of something. I went to a bookstore. I know nobody goes to bookstores anymore because they have audio books. They have, you know, you can buy them on Amazon, you know, the e-readers, all that stuff. But at the time I was like, I'm just going to go to a bookstore because I'm a firm believer that any problem that I'm facing, somebody else has already faced it and they wrote a book about it. Now, I don't even, I didn't even know, I didn't know what I didn't know, but I knew something was off and I knew I needed some help somewhere. And so I just literally went to the bookstore um, and I walked in, I went to the self-help book, which, you know, I find that a lot of people have a hard time saying that because I don't know if it's a macho thing or whatever, but I go there all the time, you know, at the, back in the day, I would go all the time, I would just go there and look and browse and see if something spoke out to me and something grabbed me. And I've had this happen two times in my life. Once was at Glamour Shots, which I'll tell you, you know, we can always go back to if we want. But the second one was here, I went in and I saw it had this um, Who Moved My Cheese book. I don't know if you've never read it, if you know, if you never saw it, it's fucking phenomenal. And it talks about how people deal with change. And I'm like, I'm dealing with some change right now. I need to know what's going on. I grabbed that book. I read this book within 45 minutes to just blaze through it. And I, and it like, it gave me the power to realize that all this fear that I was having, you know, the, them saying, I won't get another job. I don't have a college education, me leaving a job, trying to find another job. Um, you know, I realized it was a paper tiger. It's a it's smoke. You can, that fear was so big and it was creating anxiety. But when I realized I read this book, I'm like, I could just walk through it. It was just smoke. And then once I realized that, then it was like, the, then I was, then I said, I was like, you know, I'm going to take that fear and I'm going to turn it into rocket fuel. So, right. You could, cause fear can either paralyze you or it could motivate you. And I'm like, listen, I was like, fuck, I'm, I'm going to beat this thing. Right. Right. That that's the direction I'm, I'm going to overcome. I'm going to beat this. I'm going to make it my bitch if I have to. Like I'm 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 really going out on it. So I just took that fear and it motivated me to go. Well, I'm not going to sit around and just hope for the best. Right. Um, I'm not going to sit around and, you know, follow unemployment or whatever. I'm trying to. First of all, I've never collected an unemployment check in my, in my life. That's always been a goal of mine. And I only say that because I grew up in a broken home and I had a stepfather who would drive a truck during uh, the winter months and then do something to get let go so he could be off all summer and just collect the unemployment check. And then when that would run out, the six months, then he'd have to go get a job. And I would just watch this and they work the system over and over. And I'm like, fuck that, man. I don't want that. I don't want to live in this trailer. I don't want to have a broken down car. You know, I don't want to be able to not go to the doctor or whatever. So anyway, I digress. So I had this you know, I've always said I'm never going to go on uh, on unemployment or anything. And I don't begrudge anybody. There's people that have to do that for a reason. But I, to me, I wasn't going to do it. I'm an able body. I can find work. And so I wasn't going to sit around and just wait for things to happen. It's like, I need to make things happen. So once again, I made a whole list of, you know, what's the situation? I'm like, I'm horrible at interviewing because I'm nervous. Well, there was this new thing called monster.com. And uh, so I went on, that's like indeed now or whatever. Right. So, so monster.com was the big shit back then. And they had this whole section of how to interview and, and, and how to, you know, how to answer questions, the questions you're going to ask and, and how to respond and all stuff. So I'm like, I just had to be prepared. Nobody showed me this stuff before. Sort of filling, filling out some apps, got some job interviews. There's this one that I really wanted. So I was going to meet with them the day before I had this interview, 
I literally got up and I drove the whole route to get there so I could see what the traffic was going to be like and the timing, because I'm a firm believer that if you're on time, you're already 15 minutes late. And if God forbid you show up late, they don't want to hear excuses why you're late. I don't give a fuck why you're late. Your point was this, then, you know, whatever. Right. So not only did I do it and I saw the time and then I added an extra like 15 minutes to 30 minutes on top of that or whatever it was. So I really got there early and I just waited in the parking lot. Went in, got the job right out of the gate. And they gave me a salary plus bonuses. And I was like, what? It's not, you know, I was like, okay, fine. It was like 40 grand, uh, you know, base plus, plus, plus uh, bonuses and commission. I'm like, okay. And I was selling over the phone and they showed me to, to my area. And then they take me to the supply room and they go, and here's anytime you need, like, you know, any supplies or whatever, everything's right in here. I'm like, I can go in there. And she's like, yeah. I'm like, and I could leave that the bullpen, you know, the sales room and, and come over here to where the exit. She's like, she's like, yeah. And that's how, that's when I really clicked. I'm like, holy shit. Have I been manipulated the last couple of years? Dude, we couldn't even get out of our seat the last place. Like you were in your seat. Like, don't, don't go to the bathroom, you know, unless it's before work or during lunch. You know, it was like, like that kind of scenario. So you just get ingrained to that kind of, you know, that work thing. So it was really mind blowing. So start selling there. It's in the middle of the dot-com bomb. <laughs> I'm skipping a few things just because we're going to run out of time and, and you haven't said a word yet. So we good. You, you okay with the story? I'm on a roll. The audience is good with it. Okay. So anyway, so I'm, I'm skipping over a couple of, uh, of areas. So I get to this place and it's in the middle of the dot-com. They're like a dot-com company or whatever. And that's when I learned about all the, the, the tracking and, and things of that nature of, of how the back end works with the internet. And I come up with this, this business name, like, I'm like, so we're driving traffic to businesses, like to their websites, whatever. And I'm like, man, wouldn't a cool name be e-traffic jams, like e for e-commerce and the traffic jams, like we're just jamming so much traffic to your site. Right. So I ended up buying that domain name, having no idea what I was going to do with it. Um, and that company started to fold, right? Because the dot-com bomb starts to crash. Great. So I'm out of a job again there. And I go to this other place that is a big web development company. And so long story short, they go out of business as well. But prior to that, my wife, who started her own business, uh, she was reselling Sage software. Well, actually, it was called Best Software. It's now called Sage. It's fixed asset management stuff. We went to a conference there and I thought she was going to get an award because she was doing really well, but somebody beat her out and they were explaining how they, they had all these sales because they had a website and all this other stuff and they got top rankings and they did this SEO. And I was like, man, I saw something on that earlier. And then, so I saw the hurt look in her face when she didn't get anything. I go, I'm going to go and build you a website and I'm going to get you top rankings and all this other stuff. She's like, nobody's going to buy that way. And I'm like, well, let me just see. And this is back in dial up, Right. So I would, and dude, I didn't even know how to turn a computer on. I just figured it out. So I would work my day job and I would come home at night and I'd work to like three, four in the morning, building her this website, learning about optimizations, get a couple hours sleep, go to the next day, get to work the whole nine yards. So then finally, after about six months where they said it would take like, you know, overnight to build this thing, it took like six months because there'd be times I'd be working on a website, building it. And then after about an hour, I go to hit publish and the internet or the, the, um, um, what did I just say? It wasn't Wi-Fi, whatever it was, the dial-up disconnected. And that means I lost everything. So the whole night was shot. Like I didn't do, 
everything I did just was lost. So you have a bunch of those things. Anyway, finally I get it up. I go, okay, just got to wait and see what happens. And then like within 30 days, like all of a sudden she gets a lead, another lead, another lead. All of a sudden business starts taking off. And she's like, this is, this is crazy. And, and then she's like, well, let's do some PPC stuff, right? Like Google's new. They have this PPC thing, start doing that. But then the cost, like you had the big competitors coming in and they were like way outbidding her and it was costing too much. The ROI for a small business wasn't there. So I'm like, well, let me just keep doing this SEO thing. And I figured out, got her top rankings. She went from a, 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 well, she was an OG solopreneur, right? She started off way back then on her own to where I started generating so much business for her. She had to grow. And then I was thinking, you know, she had like, you know, five employees, 10 employees, and she had to get her own office. There's a whole, a whole nine yards. And I'm like, I'm, I'm with this other web development company that's struggling. And, and the CEO's like, anybody have any ideas on how we can, you know, generate more revenue? And I go, I got an idea. We have 500 accounts of websites we've built. Why don't we start offering SEO services? I, I, I had the whole blueprint. I was going to show, I was going to give it to him. I'll show him how to do it. And uh, he did some research. He's like, yeah, there's no money in that. And then they went out out of business and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to do my own. And so I started that business. I still need another job. Okay, another kid on the way. So I went to work for DuPont Registry. DuPont Registry, uh, they just got bought out, by the way. But if you've ever seen the, like the Rob Report or the DuPont, it's, it's where the magazine, it's no, no um, editorials, all images, all the Ferrari. This is where the rock stars, the movie stars, the hedge fund guys, this is where they go to find their next Ferrari, their Lamborghini, whatever, right? So it's like Auto Trader in a magazine, but for the high-end stuff. Well, they were just coming out with a, an internet version and they wanted, they had some salespeople there. They wanted somebody to come and sell that. So I went there and I was selling that, but I would also, I was starting my side hustle before side hustle was a thing. Right. And my manager kept going like, you're always in the hallway, you're on the phone, what's going on. So I told him what I'm doing and I didn't mind telling him because I was number one right out of the gate. Matter of fact, all right. Before the sunset, call connect, get all the texts. I'm vexed, this nigga soft for sex, lost respect, let's off his neck, my caliber. Got me thinking on a higher algebra. See me, I'm just a spallisher, but you ain't got no stallion. I'm in the bigger cheddar, G's and better, armor betters. I'm on these sweaters, plus these crabs can never dead us. More money, more money. You ever see that scene in Wall Street, or not Wall Street, uh, The Wolf of Wall Street? where he gets that job in that shitty little, like that place that looked like the first place I told you I got, right? Everybody's smoking or whatever. And he gets on the phone and he closes his first deal. That's exactly what I did at DuPont Registry. You can call them up and find out. I still have the record. I closed the first and third call I ever made. The second call went into voicemail and I ended up closing them like a week later anyway. But the, but after that first call and I called and I got them on the phone, I wouldn't let the GM off this uh, uh, it was Bimmers and Benz uh, uh, dealership. I'll never forget it. Got them on the phone and I close them right then and there. I hang up. I go to dial my next one. Everybody else in the other cubicles, they're like little gophers. They just pop up and they go, you close that guy? How did you do that? You know? And, and, and so, yeah, I was like, yeah. So I was the top rep right out of the gate and I just kept doing it. So when I was in the hallways taking my side hustle calls for this optimization business that I want to start, he, he came to me and he goes, do you know anything about starting a business? And I go, no. And he goes, I'll tell you what, as long as you keep producing, I will guide you. I will show you what to do. And I go, okay, great. And I go, well, I need a big name while we do that. Can I do this? I know that you're, you've been looking for people to optimize and companies you've been interviewing. I've been listening to you. You want to optimize the DuPont website. How about I do it for free? And all I ask, if you get great results, 
and I'll do it on my own time late at night. But if you get great results, you just give me a testimonial that I could use. Done. Right. I've read some, I forget what book I, I'm always reading books, right. I'm always reading this. And somewhere, some along the line, somebody said that how they started their business that they got the biggest account in there. They did it for free, but then they got the brand recognition, the name, the testimonial. And then they were able to go everywhere else and use what I later called the competition template. Right. Like, Hey, I just helped so-and-so do this. And I might be able to do it for you. I just need to ask you a few questions. That'd be okay. They're like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Right. That's like, that's one of the things I teach in, in sales as a competition. That's how I would do it for at DuPont. When I called the other place, I would made a list of all the other people that were using our services already and getting results. I go, hey, the reason for my call, uh, so-and-so dealership got X, Y, Z more sales last month because of our site. And I might be able to do the same for you. I just need to ask you a few questions. Is that okay? Who the fuck says no to that if you're a GM of it, right? So anyway, so I would do the same thing when I got, first of all, I did a great job for DuPont Registry. Their numbers went through the roof. Their, their rankings went through the roof. And I got the testimonial. And then this this my sales manager, he was the president of this division, literally took me under his wing and he guided me on the business stuff. And he was, and, mo, and, mo, and even though he's my manager, he was a president, he was a manager. Most managers would fire you the second they found out you're doing something on the side. And if that's what it was going to be, that's what it was going to be, I was going to do it anyway. But he says, can you just make sure you keep producing like you are and I'll help you on this. Done deal. I kept my word. He kept his word. He kept guiding me. He showed me business. Cause like I said, I never went to college. I don't know how to solve business stuff. Um, I just, I'm a bulldog, man. I just go after it. When I get it like a dog to a bone, I got to figure it out. If I'm passionate about it, I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. And so with his help, I started growing it and it got to the point where it was costing me money working for him because the business started to grow. And I came to him, it was a year to a year to the date. I walked in his office and he knew it. He's like, you're leaving, aren't you? I was like, yeah, fucking broke my heart, dude. He's like, well, I want you to do best. Keep calling me, you know, anything you need. I'm still friends to him to this day. He's one of my good friends. He became a very good friend of mine. And so I, I went, I, I started that company and Within five years, I sold it for 1.2 million bucks cash. I went from z like, and because the dot-com bomb, before I got the job at Dubai, the dot-com bomb was so bad that I was like, I have to sell my truck, right? The $400 payment was like, it was, I mean, the, everything was crashing. And remember, I was still at a, you know, so the place where the, the, the economy was just tanking. I'm like, I better sell my truck and that's that. And so- by the, I just had to weather the storm, how the weather, I didn't end up selling it, but I had weather the storm, weather the storm. And I started getting some side deals, getting some money on that, figuring out how to take credit cards and all that stuff and processing and all that stuff. My wife was able to help me because she was way ahead of the game on that with her business, right? Like I said, she's smarter than I am. But with that being said, uh, I just had to keep fighting and I, and, and it went off on my own so again, straight commission sales rep because nobody's bailing my ass out. Right. I mean, I got to make it work or, or I fail. And listen, you know how people say failure is not an option. Failure is a fucking option. Okay. And you have to realize that, that if you don't, if you don't sink this shot, you're going to fail. And that's that I, instead of being scared and paralyzed, I would take that as fuel and I would just bust ass, man. I would work uh, things I knew I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know, but I knew I didn't know stuff that I needed to. And I would just seek stuff out like that book when I went to there and I didn't know what, what I was looking for and, and that who moved my cheese was there. Right. 
things like that. I would just keep always learning, always learning, always learning, finding things out, um, never going, well, the economy sucks. That's why, why my business is bad. No, it's like you fucking say you're doing something wrong and you got to figure it out. And one of the things that that manager told me is like, I'm like, well, the economy's really bad right now too. Maybe I should wait. He goes, no, he goes, figure it out now because the secret to success in business is when, when, it, when you work out the kinks and you can survive through a bad time, that means you have the processes and everything down right. When the good time, because everything comes back, you're going to kill it. So, and I was never the type of person to blame other things. It was always, if I, if I didn't get that sale, it wasn't because our pricing or this or that. I'm like, I did something wrong. And that's just the way my personality was. So in everything I was doing, I was always trying to get better. And yeah, I, at first I would do the optimization. I would do the selling. I would do the marketing. I would do the article writing, right? And for that company and to the point where it got busy, if I started hiring people and I started growing and, uh, there was this, I had somebody that kept calling my, 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 my assistant kept coming into me like two, three times a week for like three, four weeks saying, Hey, there's this company that wants to buy you. This is my, now I have, I have a nice company now. Right. And I would get those spam emails where people would say, Hey, you know, we we're in, we have a buyer for your company. And really what it was is they wanted you to pay them like 500 bucks to list on their list of companies that want to buy. They didn't really have a buyer. So that's what I assumed what it was. And I kept putting them off like, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not interested. She had to take off one day. So I had one of my good friends, uh, his, um, his wife, really good friends of ours, come in and assist for the day, right? We're super close. She's a, she's a great person, uh, a great friend, godparent to our, our, our kids. She comes in and interrupts one of my meetings. Like that, that, that's how like she's a fr- like she's a friend of mine. She's like, I don't give a fuck if you're in a meeting. She's like coming right on in, right? She goes, hey, you need to take this call. I'm like, what is it? And she's like, yeah, they want to buy. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not. No, you need to take this call. All right, fine. I take the call. It's not one of those brokers. It's this company from Sweden. They're interested in buying my company. They want to come meet with me. Now, this part I left out, you ready for this shit? Remember the web development company I wanted to give the, the, the SEO stuff away for free? They went out of business. They didn't take it. They said there's no money in this. I go off and I build a successful company out, out of nothing, like, like no funding, no, no bank loans, nothing, right? Just sheer willpower, sales skills, and, and, and just getting at it. So I build this company and we're doing really well. That company folded. They, well, they filed bankruptcy, but they kept their clients and they just changed the name. So that's how they kept some of their revenue going. And that same CEO that told me no came to me a couple years later and goes, hey, we want to buy your company. What's it worth? And the EBITDA was worth about 1.2 million. And he goes, okay, let me see if I can go get it approved. So he could have had it for free. And now he saw how successful I was and how I had this whole system working. And he came in and goes, okay, how much is it? So I had to get all the paperwork. I had to do all this stuff. And, and if you're ever in that situation, you know, that money that it's just, it's floating out there. You start dreaming of that's life-changing money for a kid that, you know, never went to college, barely graduated high school. And you try to focus on your job and what you're doing while you're getting that prepared and all the documents that you have to get for that. And you have to really struggle to not dream about that cash, right? It's hard to do. Anyway, came back that the board shot him down because they said, I'm the brains of everything. If I get hit by a bus, nothing's left. Well, it was 
dumb thinking on on that person's on that board's part because I had all these contracts that and I was outsourcing all this the SEO stuff anyway. So the, the whole system was there. But anyway, whatever. So that was a couple of months before these calls kept coming in. So finally, she my, my assistant uh, that came in for my assistant that day. She goes, no, you really need to take this call. I already had everything lined up. This is why sometimes no is a good thing. I already had things lined up and everything was good to go. All packaged on what the company was worth, all the documentations, right? I'm licking my wounds. So two months go by since I, uh, that deal fell through, whatever, but I move on. And they go, yeah, we want to buy your company. We're a Sweden company. We're buying, we're looking for uh, SEO companies in the United States and you coming highly recommended. We've done research, blah, blah, blah. And I, dude, I play it like Jim Morrison. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool, dude, whatever you want. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not really interested in selling. You're not? No, I really love what I do. I love, uh, and I did, right? But, but I love what I do and that. But he's like, well, we really like to come meet you anyway. I'm like, hey, if you want, it's your dime, you want to come fly over, you know, by all means. They were there like two days later. And uh, in that time, I had one of my attorneys do some research. So I want to make sure I wasn't walking into a buzzsaw. I don't know these people. And the attorney found that, dude, they're buying companies left and right, but they're not paying cash. They're just giving stock options to the, to over in Sweden. I'm like, okay. So at least I had that coming in. We have the meeting. We're sitting down. There's two of them. Great people. I'm, I'm talking to them like I'm talking to you. Anything they want to know. And I have us. I go, yeah, somebody else interested in buying. I have everything else. I already know what it's worth. It's worth 1.2 million. I'm not taking a penny less. And uh, if I did sell it, um, I don't, I, it has to be cash. Not just stock options. One of them gets up and goes, can you guys excuse me for a second? You know, because our food can't, whatever. He gets on the phone, right? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. You guys, go ahead and eat. I'll, I'll be right back. He makes a phone call. He comes back. We're sitting down. He goes, okay, done. And I'm like, all right, cool. And, and we just finish our lunch. Inside, I'm going, what the fuck just happened? I just became a millionaire. And then, then you have the, the remorse, right? I'm like, fuck, I wonder if I could have got twice that. And they said, yes, so fast. But I think it's because of the way I played it. And plus, that's really what it was worth anyway, right? Well, the doctor said done. And like within a month, you know, they, they, it was in the bank. Holy and shit. Exactly. And that was 2007, right? Is that the recession? So it's before the recession. I closed the deal. I get the cash. I want to stay. They want me to stay on. I'm like, I'll stay on for like three, three to six months, whatever. Right. They fucking change everything. The head guy uh, in, in Sweden that owned this company, um, his brother-in-law, his sister's husband, right. Who she was a bartender. He was a roofing contractor. They came in and they put them in charge of running the operations and they fucking changed everything. And everything started to tank. And then I'm like, and then I'm like, it was hard for me to go everything I built, even though they gave me this cash to see them start changing things. And then we're butting heads on, well, you're failing because you changed this process, this process, this process. I call my attorney goes, dude, this happens all the time. Companies buy another company, they change things they go, and they tank it and they just write it off as a loss. That's exactly what ended up happening. But I already had the cash. But then that's when this, the second recession, don't forget, they had the dot-com bubble that I was going through, built the company during that time and made it successful. I get this cash and, you know, it's in 2007. So the, the recession really didn't happen until 8, 9, 10, right? That's when things like real, the shit was really hitting the fan. But 
I'm living like a fucking rock star. Like I'm, I'm talking like $20,000 birthday parties for my wife. I fly everybody in, pick them up in limos, the whole nine yards. I mean, you know, Dara's 16th birthday, you know, she's a big fan of big time rush. Okay. We're going to fly to LA and go meet them. You, you know what I mean? You know, we're, we're just balling. Right. And not, uh, and I'm not educated enough to realize what's going on in the world and the whole fucking thing crashes. And I just needed that money to float for three years. Right. The rest of it was like, holy shit. Now we need to start buckling down. And so had a great time, but you know, out, you know, out the door it goes. With that being said, before all of that nastiness of the economy happened, the guy that my, my, my president, my manager who really helped me build the first company, he, he says, you know, congratulations. I'm so proud of you. He goes, you're going to be fucking bored in six months. You're going to start looking for something else to do. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. Dude, it was like to the day. I'm like, I'm out of my mind. I got to start doing something else. I got to build something. And I had a couple ideas. I was really into timepieces at the time. So I was going to start, and some of these timepieces are really hard to find the inventory. So I was going to create an online thing and have the, the dealers, you know, pay a fee. Basically, I was going to do what DuPont Registry did for their autos, for the watching. That's one direction I was going in. But then I had this other thing. I was like, you know, I really know what it feels like to have the phone feel like a 25 pound weight. You don't want to pick it up anymore. And I know exactly how to solve that. I know exactly what I did differently. I was able to show people when I hired them for my e-traffic jams company, that was the name of the company, by the way, I took that donor name, e-traffic jams uh, for the SEO company. And I, uh, you know, I showed, taught them how to sell and they were killing it. And I'm like, you know, there was something about where the watch thing sounded fun, but man, training people, you know, showing actually, I didn't even want to use the word training. I just wanted to show them what I did. Right. Cause I think a lot of trainers don't know what the, they, they can't close the door behind them. Like if they have to, you know, I mean, if they work for a large corporation, I just feel that way sometimes I could be wrong, but I was like, I don't want to feel like a trainer come in and a guy do this. I was like, I just want to show people my process and what it does. Cause every company I ever went to, no matter what industry it was, is once I fine tuned it, it was just working. You know, I sucked early on, made a ton of mistakes and I, I kept going. Okay. Why did that fail? And you back up or, you know, two, three steps. Okay, that failed because of this. And then you just fine tune it all until I had like the perfect process down. Anyway, so I had it, I had that idea and I had the, um, the you know, sales training idea. I went to one of my daughter's field trips. I got the time now, right? I got the cash. I'm thinking about the sales training. I have no idea what I'm going to call it. And one of the field trips was to... One of the field trips was to Kennedy Space Center. And it was like a whole thing where you get to see the launch pad, you get to spend the night underneath a rocket, the whole nine yards. And I'm there and I'm having a great time with her, but I'm also thinking about business and this idea that I want. And I come and I'm like, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I could start another company because some people who I thought were my friends or maybe even some family members, after I sold the first one, I start hearing, well, he just got lucky. That's where the chirps come in. That's, that's where the right? peanut gallery comes in. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, people I thought my friends or, you know, you know, family, whatever, unless you can't pick your family, whatever. But I was just like, I'm really having these doubts. If I can do this again, did I really get lucky? First of all, you make your own luck. I mean, the harder you work, and the smarter you work, the more lucky it comes your way. Right. So we know that, but still I started having some of these doubts and, and we're exiting just like an all Florida, um, um, 
um, activities that you go through there are these amusement parks, not an amusement park, but like that. Anytime you're leaving something, they always funnel you through the gift shop, right? And so we're finally leaving, getting ready to go on the bus. We're going out to the gift shop and there's a real live astronaut right there. And um, the kids are asking him questions. And I turn around and right behind me, there's this big, matter of fact, wait one second. Okay. Let me go get him. I'm going to jump in here. What the hell is this story? This is wild. This is out of a movie. I promise. I did not even know he was going to go on this, this story, this tangent. And this is gold. This is gold. And he's back so, with the astronaut picture. So I turn around and this is right behind me. Right. Do you know who this is? That uh, Neil? Nope. Who's this? What's my, what's my company name? Sales Buzz. Is this Buzz Aldrin? No way. And see a sign right there. So I turn around and I see this right there. And I see the kids asking, I see the kids asking, you know, this astronaut questions. And I thought to myself, what if that was Buzz Aldrin right there? And I went up to him and says, Buzz, I got this idea for, you know, a new business. I just don't know if I could do it. Like, how the fuck could I go to somebody like that and say that? This dude stood on the moon. I mean, you realize that somewhere along the line, there had to be the very first person on earth that said, hey, let's put a man on the moon, right? And like, what did every, did everybody else go, that sounds like a great idea, let's do that. Like, no, you're out of your fucking mind, you crazy, right? But somebody believed in it and they kept pushing and they kept pushing and they kept pushing. And then it could have been somebody a, a thousand years ago, could have been a hundred years ago, whatever. I don't know who the first person was, but somebody got that ball rolling. And then eventually somebody believed in strong enough that other people started to believe in what that person believed. So they just got on the train, they make it happen. And so it was right then and there that I decided I'm going to do sales buzz, go broke or go home, whatever, go big or home. I mean, I know the economy is like really crazy, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And that's how I came up with the name sales buzz. You know, took Buzz Aldrin's uh, part name and put them together. And, and that's the story. That's how it happened. And so from there, um, you know, I just, I just went for it and I kept figuring things out and figuring things out. And when I first started, when I first started, my idea was to do everything on demand. I'm like, Hey, if I can sell 5,000 of these a year for 200 bucks each, you know, it's a million dollars a year. I'm going to be fishing in the keys. I'm going to be fine. It's just going to be all automated. Right. And I put a ton of money into it and it was failing miserably. And I couldn't figure out what am I doing wrong. Part of it is nobody knew me yet, right? But uh, but that never stopped me before. I saw, you know, get in there, get on the phones, whatever. It was doing okay, but it wasn't like, plus the economy was, I mean, you have to understand, you know, people would say to me that, dude, the everybody's losing their houses and everything, their jobs. I mean, you're worried that you can't get this off the ground or it's not being as successful as you want. I'm like, yeah, that's not it. I'm doing something wrong. Like I would literally like, I, I like there's, and I'm sure looking back that had something to do with it, but it really forced me to fine tune the process. And then um, somebody mentioned to me, he's like, Hey, you know, like how you have a favorite band and they come and they're live and you're willing to pay hundreds of dollars to see them live compared to the $10, you know, back then you, it's not no Spotify. You just go buy the album or cassette or whatever for 10 bucks or CD. I'm like, yeah, he goes, yeah, you should start doing these live. I think it was my mentor. My, my, actually, it might've been the guy I told you about earlier. I'm like, huh? So the second I started, I, I, I spent all this money for the on-demand stuff and just wasn't really working. As soon as I started doing the classes live one hour a week, I used to do them live all the time. And it took off like wildfire. 
People weren't ready yet for the on-demand stuff. Tons of people do on-demand. Now, look, look at, I, I can't say the company name, I guess, right? But you're the company name that bought our stuff, right? All yep. around the world. And I have it in nine different languages. They're training, every, there are hundreds and you know, thousands of people on this stuff, right? Uh, on-demand. But back then, I was early. Yeah, I was just too early in the process, right? The world wasn't ready for that. So I started doing the live. It was hard enough to do the lives. I mean, I had to really use my sales skills because traditional sales training is like, hey, you got to fly in here and you got to do this you know, one day event thing or whatever. And I was like, and I was, other people were telling me to do that. I was like, yeah, you can charge me. And I'm like, yeah, fuck that. I mean, I'm going to be away from my family. Right. I mean, um, especially my, my youngest daughter uh, was getting into hockey. Right. I was like, I don't want to miss a game. My dad my, was never at my, you know, they got divorced. He was never at my games. So I'm going to be at every game. So I don't want that. I don't want that flying around nonsense, wear and tear and all that stuff. I'm like, how else can I do this? I just do it online. Right. So then I started doing the live sessions and we did that all the way up until mid, middle of COVID. And it was when COVID happened that we really went away from the live classes. Because what happened during COVID is, sure, I had a lot of clients who were already using it for their inside sales team, but they had outside sales reps that didn't know shit about, you know, they, they, get, they can't travel. They can't use their report techniques face-to-face, try to get them to like them and all that stuff, right? Because you can't do face-to-face when COVID was happening. So they had to work from home and they're looking at the phone and they're going, the fuck do I say? What do I do with that? Right. And so my clients would come to me and goes, Hey, do you have anything for, you know, the outside reps that are inside? I was like, yeah. We, matter of fact, you know, I have this on demand stuff now. Cause obviously with the company that you're in, I went to the professional studio and knocked them all out again. Right. Redid them, knocked them all out professionally done. And then, so I started offering uh, upsells to my clients on that to the point where by the end of, of 2020, nobody was doing the live class anymore. They all wanted the on demand stuff. Cause we, 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 it's, it's, I call it automated sales training. It's still once a week, right? But there's a process and a system there so that they can learn something and then have an entire week. You know, it, it, it's each month, each lesson's like an hour, less than an hour. It's supposed to be like a lunch and learn, right? So you just do this one little thing. Well, you know, you went through it, right? So you just one little thing and then you have an entire week to really learn, get it, make it your own, practice it, get really good at it, make it part of your routine and then do the next thing. And then that's where we are today, man. That, that, that's, the, that's the A to Z story. I probably left out a few things in there, but that's pretty much it. No, that uh, I couldn't have asked for a better format for this. I, I should have said in the beginning, I'm letting Cadone take the floor. This is what he does best. Listen the fuck up or get out. Go broke or go home. That's got to be the episode name, first of all. Uh, secondly, we have we don't have much time left. So just to make it all tie together, this is what stood out to me. Firstly, from a young age, you're walking in places, not scared, going, I sell. And that was the difference in the end. That literally was the difference, having that instilled confidence and being a bulldog throughout the whole thing. Late nights, building SEO systems, ignoring the noise. Um, what I mean, if you had two things to leave with the audience throughout that story and make it, you know, digestible, a little buzzword, sales buzzword, hmm. um, what would it be? There's two things. Follow your passion. You have to love what you you have to love what you do. And that, that, that what that means says sometimes you have to you you have to you know grind it out where a place that you don't want to be, right? But you know that place that I realized was bad for me. I told you at the beginning of the story. I learned a lot there, though. I will say that that helped spring me. So you know um, if you can't just cut the cord right away to go do what you want, if it's just not an option, you got to burn the candle at both ends. So keep doing what you're doing where you are, you might not realize, but what you're hating doing right now might be a benefit to you later on, but just keep grinding it. And then when you're ready, 
then then you have to do what you love. Otherwise, it's, what, what the fuck's the point, right? So um, that's the first thing. The second thing is this I'll share with you is, uh, you know, I mentioned that I know you're in Minnesota. I mentioned to you last time we talked that my daughter, you know, who ended up getting into hockey and are getting pretty good at and went to Shattuck St. Mary's, which is in, in, in uh, Minnesota, right? And uh, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of high-end people there. Let's just put it that way. So I made some friends with some people, their daughters went there or whatever. And this one person is like stupid success, like with a B successful, billion successful. And I just asked him like, so all these companies are so like, you know, like what's your secret, right? You know, you know, how do you get so successful? So I want to take my company to the next level. And he laughed and he says, ha, I just survived all my mistakes. And I live by that today. You're right. Learn from your mistakes. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. That's how you have to do it. But really, you have to understand that, you know, remember when I say, you know, failure is not an option. It is. You could actually fuck up and, and, and kill everything. And so you have to learn to survive your mistakes as well and learn from them. So that's another thing I would say. Survive your mistakes. I want that in the title as well. Uh, Mike, this was a treat. I, I should have had popcorn. I should have been in a recliner. This was this was an audio movie. I loved it. Bold as hell story. And I can't wait to get this out. Um, so I'm going to be respectful of your time here. I know you got to run. You got more deals to close. Thank you for joining us. Bold perceptions. If you like this shit, share with a friend. Give us a review. We're on Instagram. Bold underscore perceptions. Mike doesn't do the social media marketing. I asked him if he would do it. Maybe he might... You can let me do it. We'll talk about that later. That's a whole other negotiation. But Mike, absolute pleasure. Have a great day, man. All right, thanks. Take care, guys. Street addiction got me tired and thorough with bubbles. Still in the ghetto, but in the cup where it's mellow. Incognito on the Lilo like Carlito. Cause we know niggas don't really want us to see though. You never know, it might just be your time. You take your ride to the pearly white gates. Watch that suicide. More money, more motor, more homicide. You catch that body, nigga, better have that alibi. You never know, it might just be your time. You take your ride to the pearly white gates. Watch that suicide. More money, more motor, more homicide. You catch that body, nigga, better have that alibi. You never know, it might just be your time. You take your ride to the pearly white gates. Watch that suicide. More money, more motor, more homicide. You catch that body, nigga, better have that alibi. You never know, it might just be your time. You take your ride to the pearly white gates. Watch that suicide. More money.